You're listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Clint Wright. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday's service now. So uh, earlier this summer, I was headed off to the Buffalo River with my son on a father-son canoe trip. It's a several-hour drive. My son was in a car with his friend, and there was one room for me. So I ended up in a car with a couple dads I'd never met before on this several-hour drive. And so, of course, got a lot of time in the car, nothing else to do. You get to talking. And so I asked the first dad what he did for a living. And uh, he said uh, he's an oncologist, so he literally cures cancer. And he had all kinds of amazing stories about saving people's lives. And I thought, wow, that is amazing. So the second dad asked him, hey, what do you do for a living? He said, well, I'm a helicopter pilot. And I thought, wow, I'm so glad Caleb's in another car and can't hear how cool these other dads are. (laughs) They had all kind of great stories. The pilot especially had some amazing stories. But there's one story in particular I don't think I'll ever forget. He was flying for some offshore oil company. He would fly these workers, these roughnecks, to and from the platform hundreds of miles into the ocean. And these guys, they worked several weeks on and several weeks off. And so by the time he's there to fly somebody home, they've been working nonstop for weeks. So the last thing they want to hear, the worst thing that could happen is some little pilot tells them, hey, sorry, you know, a little cloud in the sky, conditions aren't just right. You're not going to get to go home today. So he said this one time, time came to fly several of these guys home, but there was a storm in the forecast. Now, when a hurricane, you know, it's kind of right on the line of whether they should fly or not. And so he said, these guys, man, they were putting the pressure on them. Come on. We've been out here for weeks. We're exhausted. We just want to get home. It's fine. You can fly us. Come on, do it. And so he said, you know, he finally caved to the pressure and he thought, you know what? It, won't, it may be a little bit of a storm, but it will, it'll be fine. Let's go. It'll be fine. And it was for a little while until they got into the storm storm was a lot worse than they thought it was going to be. And before long, the, the night, it was like it was night. The, the sun was completely blocked by the storm. The rain was thick. The turbulence was heavy. And you know, he's telling this story. Then he starts to say, you know, I, it was so dark and so disorienting, I started to get confused. So you got these instruments that tell you if you're ascending or descending and tell you if, the, if you're keeping the helicopter straight or not. And, and all of a sudden, these instruments, they didn't start making sense. And then all of a sudden, I you know, started to correct them, but nothing I was doing would, would fix the problem, would fix the instruments. No, no matter how I moved my control sticks and the pedals, I, I couldn't seem to get control. Finally, he said, I realized I had no idea where we were in the sky. He said, and I had no idea which direction we were flying. You know, I I wish you could have heard him tell the story because if you could hear him tell the story, you could hear the fear in his voice. You could tell he could still feel that fear. And he's telling me, I was using all of my experience, all of my training, all of the technology of the aircraft, but none of it was working. And then his fear turned to guilt as he started talking about the other guys in the helicopter with him. See, they... They weren't dumb. They started to realize something was very wrong. And so he said a lot of them got very quiet, but some of them started shouting at him, don't let us crash. Don't let us crash. You've got to get us home. 
finally, instead of guilt, there was really just this sense of resignation. He finally said, you know what? I gave up all hope of being able to control this aircraft, and I knew we were going to crash, and there was nothing I can do about it. There's a term for what this pilot was experiencing. It's called spatial disorientation. It kills a lot of pilots. In fact, most people think that's what's behind Kobe Bryant's aircraft, his helicopter that crashed and killed everyone on board. What happens is the pilot, he, he loses the light either from the sun or the moon or on the horizon. Maybe they're, they're flying through a bit bad storm like this or through a fog or at night. And once you lose that light, you're totally disoriented. Once that happens, the pilot, he has no idea which direction is which, which way is up, which is down, which is left, which is right. And he also loses all sense of motion. He doesn't know which way they are going. He doesn't know if they're moving fast or slow, up or down, left or right. So there's actually, there's many examples where a pilot has the aircraft, the aircraft is actually banking hard to the left, but the pilot thinks it's banking hard to the right. So what does he do? He yanks it hard to the left. Well, that, instead of fixing the problem, makes the problem worse. And as the aircraft doesn't do what he expects it to do, this confusion, this disorientation, it just starts to compound on itself. And eventually the pilot literally has no idea where in the air they are anymore. And you know, I can't think of a better picture of the human condition. Now, we, we do everything we can, don't we, to, to keep control of our lives, to keep us flying straight. And over the course of our lives, I mean, we, we gather experience and knowledge and skills and training. We, we put the best tools and the best technology around us. But eventually, every one of us, it happens eventually, all of us go through a storm that all of our knowledge, experience, even the best tools we have can't get us through. So my guess is you, this evening, you know this sense of spatial disorientation. Why isn't my life working? Why can't I get control of this situation? Why can't I get it corrected? I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do, but it's not working. And so eventually we all, we all get to the point where nothing we do can really get control of this fallen world. That was the reality for that pilot that night or that day. That day, the reality for that pilot was nothing in that helicopter was going to save them. Not him, not his buddies, not all the instruments and all the technology. And that's when he saw it. He said, all of a sudden, just when I'd lost hope, right in the corner of my eye, a little sliver of sunlight broke through just the smallest break in the storm. And I realized we were flying away from it. We were headed straight into the ocean. And I didn't look at my instruments. I stopped reading all that. All I did was as quickly as I could and as hard as I could, I turned that helicopter straight towards the light and I flew towards the light. The light that broke into their storm is what saved them that day. And men and women, that is the message of Christmas. The Christmas message is that Jesus is that light that broke into our storm. You know, this past month, we've been looking for that light, maybe in a place that you didn't expect us to look, in the Old Testament. And we've looked throughout out the Old Testament, and I hope what you've noticed is that the whole Bible, from beginning to end, from cover 
to cover is telling you that Jesus is that light. He is the light that broke into your storm. We were only able to look at four, but did you know there's over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus? In fact, there's so many details about who the Messiah would be that for some random person to just fit them all by chance, y'all, it's a mathematical impossibility. I want you to imagine for a moment that my son has gone on our mission trip to Spain. So he's over in Spain. Our cell phones won't work over there, but I want to call him. I want to talk to my only son. Problem is, there's over 6 billion people in the world. I'm sure a lot of them are great people, but I don't want to talk to them. I only want to talk to one person, my son. So what do I do? Well, first I dial 3-4. That's the country code for Spain. I've eliminated everyone in the world who doesn't live in Spain. Then with the next few numbers, I'll eliminate everyone who lives in other parts of Spain, other areas of the country, that's not where my son is. And then little by little, as I dial each number, I'm whittling it down then until out of 6 billion people in the world, the one person, my one and only son, is the one who picks up on the other end of the line. That's a little bit about how our Bible works. As the story unfolds, as the prophecies unfold, God is dialing up his one and only son, Jesus, and telling us that that is the light that is breaking into our storm. Starts at the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 3, we are told that our Savior will be one of us. He'll be one of the human race. So, okay, that's a little helpful. It's not an angel or anything. But still, experts estimate that over 100 billion people have ever lived. So we got a little work to do. Then we find out in Genesis 12, this light, this Savior, he will come from a specific nation. He tells a man named Abraham, Abraham, you're going to have a lot of family. You're going to have a, so much family, it's going to turn into a nation. And of course, that's, a, that's the Jewish nation. And he said, Abraham, from one of those offspring, from that nation, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. But next, God chose a tribe from within that nation. So Abraham had a son, Isaac, but Isaac had two sons, had Jacob and Esau. Numbers 24 tells us a star will come out of Jacob. So God chose that son, Jacob. But then Jacob had 12 sons. We call them the 12 tribes of Israel. Genesis 49 tells us the scepter shall not depart from Judah. So Judah is going to be the tribe that the Savior comes from. But of course, Judah had a lot of families. And so God chose one of those families of Judah. We read about it last week in Isaiah 11. We see that a shoot will rise out of the stump of Jesse. But then, you know, Jesse had eight sons. So 2 Samuel 7 tells us from David, from that son, will come a king who will reign for all eternity. And then we get to the Gospels. And the Gospel picks out one woman from this family of David. But it's not just any woman. It's got to be a very special woman. Because Isaiah 7 says, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and he will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. So you see, that night in Bethlehem, God found the one woman from the one household, from the one family, from the one tribe, from the one nation in all humanity. What's he doing? As history unfolds, he's dialing up his one and only son. He's getting the perfect combination. You know, it gets even more amazing because the Bible prophesies all kind of other events and things that had to happen as this light broke through. Micah 5 tells us the child had to be born in Bethlehem. 
We know the son had to be rejected by his people and accepted by the Gentiles, according to Isaiah 53. The son had to be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, according to Zechariah chapter 11. And we know he had to be crucified, piercing his hands and his feet, according to Psalm 22. Peter Stone was a professor of mathematics and astronomy back in the 50s. He wrote a book called Science Speaks, and what he wanted to do, he wanted to figure out the mathematical probability of just some random person fitting the prophecies about Jesus. Only he didn't do 300. He said, I'm just going to take eight. I'm just going to take eight and figure out mathematically what are the chances that somebody fits that exact profile. Y'all, the chances are one in 10 to the 17th power. So write a 10 and then add 17 zeros after that. Y'all, we, we can't conceive of a number that big. So he helped us out a little bit, okay? He, he said, here, here's how it works. Imagine this. Take the whole state of Texas, our state, okay? From border to border, end to end, fill it with dollar coins, silver dollars, three feet high. So the whole state of Texas, end to end, border to border, three feet high with silver dollars. Take one silver dollar, randomly make a special mark on it, throw it out there randomly somewhere. Okay, then you take a guy, put him in a helicopter, fly him around the state of Texas in good weather, no storms. Okay, let's not risk it this time. Have him randomly parachute out wherever he lands. Have him randomly bend down, pick up one silver dollar. The chances of him picking up that one silver dollar with that one special mark, that's one in 10 to the 17th power. What's God doing in his word? He's telling us it's not random. It's not. Men and women, God was doing everything he can to help us in the midst of our storm, in the midst of our disorientation, see the light when it broke through. God is hoping you will see the light of his son and that you will spin your helicopter around and you will fly towards the light. Jesus When he started his ministry in Luke chapter 4, he started his ministry by going into a synagogue and he took out one of these Old Testament prophecies. He took out the scroll of Isaiah and he read this. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And in the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And look at verse 21. And he began to say to them, today, today, right now, right here, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. What's Jesus saying? He's saying the light has broken through. He's saying to everyone weary and blinded by this fallen world, by everyone who can't break free or control life on their own, I'm here. The light's broken through. God has dialed up his one and only son for you. You know, that's that's the symbolism of the Advent candles here that we've been lighting for the past month. And part of the symbolism, the reason we do this is, you know, each week the light grows bigger and bigger. The darkness retreats farther and farther back. And tonight we're finally at the time when we get to light the last candle, the Christ candle. Because Jesus, our light, has broken through 
and he has been born. So tonight we light the Christ candle. As we light this candle, though, it's important to remember, y'all, we're not just celebrating something that has already happened in the past. We're also celebrating something that is coming. So think about that day in that helicopter with that pilot. You know, the second that light broke through, the storm was still raging, wasn't it? The storm was still going on. And yet, for those people, everything had changed because they had hope. They now knew that the light would outlast their storm. They knew that soon and very soon that little sliver of light would fill up the whole sky. And that's how it is for us at Christmas. We celebrate the coming of the light, the birth of Jesus Christ. But we also wait in hope knowing that one day that light will outlast the storm, all the storms, and God's glory will fill the earth. So what we're going to do tonight is we're going to close the service with a demonstration of this hope that we have. And so I've got my little candle here. I'm going to light my candle uh, from this Christ candle here. I'm going to invite Adam up, and as we light our candles, he's going to lead us in some singing. So I'll come to kind of the front row of each section here, and I'll light your candle with mine, and then what you do is you take it and you turn and you light the candle of the person next to you. But here's what we're doing in this. Here's what we're celebrating. As, as you receive the light, you are proclaiming together, Jesus has come. The light has broken through. And as you turn and you pass it on, we are all together. We are proclaiming that that light will one day outlast all of the storms and fill the earth. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. If you have questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at BethelBible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.